Welcome back to the Healthcare Analytics Podcast. This specific episode can be valuable to you as we close out our three-part series on AI. In this final episode, I'm going to be talking about the Gardner hype cycle and how it is pertinent to AI as well as any other technology that has come before. So if you are interested in AI, in healthcare, or in any other field, then this is a podcast episode that you're going to want to listen to. In the past few months, I have noticed many, many different posts on Reddit, on LinkedIn, and other social media about how AI will replace specific aspects of our lives or specific aspects of technology. So I will see a post about how Photoshop is now obsolete because of AI art. I will also see how the law field is essentially on the notice to be disrupted because of AI. In this way, the message that we are being told is that AI is going to be an important player when it comes to revolutionizing the way we do work, the way we live our lives, and the way that we engage with technology. These things are all very true, but at this very stage, I'm going to share with you why it is not going to be like you think it is and why we are at a stage where everybody is hyping up AI to a point to where I will say it's overpriced and overemphasized. Let's start with what is the Gardner hype cycle? We talked about the technology adoption curve in a previous podcast, but the Gardner hype cycle tries to explain over time how the specific technologies or how some technologies uh, go through a phase of being overhyped, then it comes through a trough, and then it plateaus out into normalcy. And this was developed by Gartner, a consulting company that wanted to understand how technology moves over time in adoption, being often overhyped, then being put into a trough or crashing, and then plateauing out. The latest edition of this graph would probably reflect Bitcoin, where in 2011-2012 it was hardly heard of. By 2016, 2017, and 2018, it was very, very much hyped up. And then it crashed, and then it, it plateaued out. And Bitcoin has been going through these ups and down cycles, but every time it goes up, it goes higher than it did before. And every time it, it comes back down to a trough, then it is also higher than the previous trough. Now, you can have many different hype cycles depending on the iteration of technology. And so at the very beginning, you can have one hype and then it plateaus out and you have productivity and then it encounters another revolutionary and it does the same thing. And at every revolution or every point at which the technology reaches an inflection point, then it can be overhyped to a point to where it's not sustainable and then come back down to reality. And this kind of hype cycle is not anything new it's been around for, I would say, hundreds of years, or at least the human activity behind these hype cycles have been around many, many, many centuries ago. And so it is a reflection not only of the technology, but also a reflection of the human condition 
that causes people to over-speculate on specific goods or services in order for them to have an advantage. To talk about the most recent past, let's talk about some historical examples of how the Gardner hype cycle works. If you look up anything about the Mississippi bubble or if you look up anything about a tulip mania, then you'll see that there is an incredible amount of hype before a crash and then it plateaus out. To give you an example, it's not like the Mississippi Territory or the Louisiana Territory wasn't worth anything because the United States, I would argue, bought it at its trough. But there was certainly a point to where the Mississippi Territory and everything around Louisiana was way overpriced, which essentially put the French government almost on bankruptcy, which also led to the French Revolution. I'm not going to digress into that kind of history, but what I will say is that it's been part of the human condition to speculate on specific items and then sell it for more to the greater fool in order to make some kind of profit. The tulip mania was no different. It's not like the Netherlands doesn't produce a lot of flowers and tulips today. It's just that the pricing was really, really off. Right, And so everybody wanted tulips and the price of a tulip went to the moon. And you ask, why in the world did that happen? And why in the world was such irrational thinking deployed in this mania that was the tulip mania? But I wouldn't be so sure that we have outgrown as humans this ability to hype something up to a point that is not sustainable. In the most recent past, let's say from the dot-com bubble to today, we've had the dot-com crash, which there were an inordinate number of websites that were way overpriced for what they were providing to the point to where anybody wanted to get their hands on some kind of website. Today, it's not like websites don't exist and that they're not important. It's just that the pricing has been adjusted. And so the dot-com crash essentially brought down prices to its normal levels and then from there you have many great companies emerge such as Amazon such as Microsoft you have Facebook that comes afterwards and you have Google and all of these companies come on the tailcoats of the dot-com crash and so if you didn't have that crash then it wouldn't be able to filter out the good companies from the bad ones or the ones that were overpriced and the ones that were accurately priced. This also happened in the housing bubble of 2008, right? Where people would have two, three, four mortgages because they could get it and receive an income off of it with no thought towards what if the price of their home went down. We have also had the hype of social media to where every company that was prominent thought that they needed a social media manager in order to gain more sales. While that may have been true for some, it was not true for others. And so in the same way, social media was overhyped to a point to where people were trying to sell social media services where it was not needed. This also happened with cloud computing and blockchain technology, which was a function of Bitcoin. So in this way, the Gardner hype cycle has been around for a very, very long time and is, it is still here with us today. But as we look at the AI revolution coming up in the near future, it's going to go through a similar cycle 
as previous technologies. And it is important for us to understand the Gardner hype cycle and take advantage of the technology without giving in to the hype. So where are we when it comes to AI and the Gardner hype cycle? The Gardner hype cycle, just to reiterate, starts at the very, very low end where there's no adoption. And then it has a huge run-up and huge spike to where there is an overemphasized amount of people who are pricing a specific technology at a point that is not sustainable. From that unsustainable point, wherever it is, then it comes down and it crashes to a place to where everybody puts in doubt the technology because of its limitations, because of what it cannot do, or any given number of things. From there, then what emerges is a upward trajectory that is more smooth than the previous hype. And this upward trajectory is the trajectory that includes a healthy amount of growth for that technology in a way that people can take advantage of in predictable ways. So that is the Gardner hype cycle in a nutshell. Now, how does it apply to AI and where are we when it comes to AI? I would argue that the very beginning point for the awareness of AI was, let's say, October of 2022. In October of 2022, one of the big catalysts for this phase of AI was ChatGPT and everything else including JetGPT, which is generative AI. Generative AI has proven different because what it can do is it can not only assess a lot of data, but it can also give it to us in a way that logically makes sense. And so those of us who are knowledge work or those of us who have to deal with knowledge of producing something to help other people make better decisions let's say, in the analytics world, then it has become a valuable tool to use. In this way, generative AI has helped open many people's understanding of what AI is capable of. And AI is not only capable of generating specific kinds of text or code or images, but it can do much more depending on its capability. So generative AI is one specific niche within the category of AI, but what it has allowed is it has allowed individuals to speculate on the future possibilities of AI. Now I say speculate because this is where we are. We're at the speculative run-up phase where people are starting to understand what the power is of AI and generative AI, and then speculate out in the future what it could be worth. And so if the beginning of this speculation or the beginning instance for understanding the capabilities of AI was in October, November of 2022, we are still at the very beginning stages of the run-up to where people are starting to explore AI as a tool, but don't really want or don't really feel the need to put a lot of resources behind it. But as more and more people put more and more resources behind AI or even speculate on what they could do with it, then this is where you create a mania to where if any company in the world is not engaged in AI, then they're behind the curve and they should get booted from the market. While this is not true, for example, if you're a beer company, I would argue that AI is not something that you're going to be worried about. Now, if you are, let's say, a company in healthcare, then you may want to take a look at what AI has to offer, but not put 
a lot of resources into it without understanding its implications. And so even though many people will hype it up as this next best thing that you have to be behind or else you are in the dark ages, it's not quite true because it's going to come back down to reality sooner or later. And there's going to be a trough period where you will be able to take advantage of items and tools that were more expensive even a few months before. All this to say is don't worry if you feel like you are behind the AI curve. There's much more hype to be had, and so don't feel stressed about being the laggard in the situation. It's all still very, very new, and people are still trying to grapple with how it can be used in business, in healthcare, and how it makes a tangible impact in delivering results. I'm going to date myself with these examples, but these are examples of the run-up of the hype when it comes to specific technologies in the past 15-20 years. I remember early days of Twitter and Facebook where essentially people would share cat photos and photos of a cool little beer bottle or whatever they did the night before. Whatever the case was, People were just trying to explore that new technology. And so Twitter was filled with some memes, some cat memes, um, and what other kind of garbage you could find on, on Twitter. Facebook, on the other hand, was one of those places to where you actually, in order to gain access to it, you had to have a college email address. And so I couldn't get Facebook until I was in college and had that email address. In Facebook wasn't a place to where you found gurus, the groups really didn't matter, and you were just trying to find friends on Facebook. And so the hype really wasn't there quite yet. I would argue that the hype for Facebook and Twitter and for many other social media sites was when advertisers realized that they could make money off of individuals by advertising specific products to those on social media. When people recognize that, let's say in 2008, 2009, 2010, then social media exploded and there was a lot of money put into it because people would put money into ads like nobody's business. And it's still to a point to where there was an inflection point to where instead of using Google for advertising, people would use social media for advertising. And I believe that inflection point was 2013 or 2014 to where more people decided that Facebook and social media was a better place to advertise than Google and other sources of advertising. And so in this way, there was a huge run-up to where everybody would speculate on those advertising revenue dollars to a point to where there was a huge crash and it has kind of plateaued out. This is the same for YouTube and many other sites online. To give you another example on the business side, I remember in 2012 to 2013, every business that I knew was talking about big data. And so there were startups everywhere that were talking about big data and how big data is going to revolutionize the way that we work and how you can now put data on the cloud so that it can be stored and it can be accessed from many different applications. This is when many people talked about how fancy an API was and how it could revolutionize the way that you access data. These kinds of things today are just 
everyday kind of things. But 10 years ago, everybody put a lot of money into it without really recognizing if they would get a return. So you had all these startups starting up. You had all these large organizations asking for big data without understanding the real implications of what big data meant and how the mechanics of big data actually applied to their specific business and to their industry. So in this way, Facebook and Twitter and social media had a hype cycle to where everybody over-speculated on it to where many people lost their socks. And I would argue that although it's not really mentioned, big data had the same thing to where you had consulting companies promising the high heavens for big data and what it could do while offering a technology suite that was inferior and did not really meet the cost-benefit analysis. And to the credit of many executive teams out there in 2015-2016, the impetus towards big data was very, very important. But the downside of it was that the cost that they were spending because of the hype was overpriced. And so they were paying more than what they would have to get in the next, let's say, few years to pay off the technology that they had adopted. This is the problem with adopting something on this first hype cycle, or at least adopting it wholeheartedly without understanding the specific components that go into it. There's always this hype period to where you have individuals, you have consulting companies that say this technology will bring an outsized level of returns. And because of these outsized level of returns, then we can price it high because of the demand. The problem is that as a business who, let's say, has a trajectory of growing over 25, 50 years, one hype cycle is just one hype cycle. If you want to last longer than these hype cycles, then you have to take a longer view on these technologies and understand how the Gardner hype cycle is important and how it plays a role in different technologies and how they're adopted. Now that we understand where we are in the Gardner hype cycle in terms of the technology adoption, I'm going to now dig into a few different things that you can do as a leader in your organization to prepare and take the best advantage of AI and technologies coming in the near future. The first piece of advice I would give is to be squared away when it comes to your technologies that you're currently using. Are you up to date when it comes to security? Do you have data stored in the right way in order to access it proficiently? Are you managing your data warehouse in a way that is comparable to those in your industry? If you're in healthcare, are you utilizing the data you already have to make the best decisions? And do you have a plan for adopting new technologies that will make an impact in your organization? These are the things I would say you should consider first before thinking about adopting any new shiny technology that is coming down the pike. The second thing I would recommend is to have an overall data proficiency within your organization where the managers within your organization or the leaders within your organization understand statistics, understand metrics, and are able to make decisions based on the data already available. 
As an example, do your managers or leaders within your clinic or healthcare organization have a good understanding of the key metrics that apply to their specific teams? Do frontline staff members understand how their actions contribute to the overall performance of their team in terms of specific metrics that are actionable? Are you able to answer complex questions with data using machine learning and machine learning algorithms? Is it easy to develop specific models to make decisions on what technologies to adopt, what specific behaviors you want to reward, or any other question? Is data modeling something that you and your organization enjoy on a regular basis? The third and last thing I would recommend is to have a little bit of resources to be able to allocate to new technologies. If you are able to have a little bit of resources, let's say it's play money in relative terms to your organization, then you can start to explore new technologies that are coming out without diving full into them. And so you can dip your toe in the water, so to speak, and to understand the implications of technologies without fully committing to something that won't have been able to pay off in the long run. And if there is no specific budget allocated, let's say towards exploring new technologies, you can still find somebody within your organization that is more on the cutting edge of technology who likes to explore these new technologies. You can lean into that person's expertise and come up with a formal way or a functional way of exploring specific technologies in a way that delivers results. And so let's say you're wanting to understand ChatGPT and how it can apply to your organization, then you could work with an individual who is already on your team in order to explore how it could be used within the daily life of an individual. If there is a specific problem set, then you could ask that individual how they would solve it using a new suite of technologies. And so it doesn't necessarily have to be, let's say, a pot of money or a chunk of money to throw around, but it could also be in the form of an individual who has a few hours a week to spend on exploring new technologies. So once you have these three prerequisites down, then it will be easy to make a yes-no decision on specific AI applications. You won't be lost in how AI can solve all your problems, but you will look for specific cases in which AI can augment what you are already doing as an organization. Because one of the big things that I have seen in previous technology hype cycles is that people think that any one technology can solve all or a majority of their problems. And so in the past 5-10 years, people thought that big data could solve all of their data problems, while this was not necessarily true. Big data cannot necessarily solve the specific frontline actions of individuals in healthcare, but it can help in specific ways. So if you have a good understanding of your data security, how proficient you are in using the data you already have, and having the ability to allocate a little bit of resources, then when AI comes and it's rightly priced, then you can take advantage of it in real ways that make a big impact in your organization. 
It could look like many different things. It could be something as simple as an application that scans specific documents. It could be analyzing large volumes of health data. It could apply in ways to be able to help specific managers make different decisions based on the inputs during a conversation. All of these things are applications that AI could potentially deliver, but you have to be able to know the cost-benefit analysis so that you're not overpaying for something that won't yield the appropriate amount of benefit in the future. I will leave you on this episode with one last reminder. If you understand the Gardner hype cycle, then your emotional output when it comes to technology won't go up and down, that you'll be able to moderate your emotions when it comes to making decisions so that in the long run, you can be a better leader and take advantage of technologies at the right point. Thanks for listening, and I will talk to you later.